Would you join me now in Luke chapter 12? Luke 12, as we take on the next parable in Luke's gospel, the parable of the watchful servants. So if you've been watching the news, you've been watching the steady, massive buildup of Russian troops there on the border of Ukraine. When Russia invades, nobody can say there was any element of surprise, right? I mean, it's been weeks of a massive buildup, 150,000 troops, tanks, artillery. I mean, they're saying we are coming by all their actions. Can you imagine living in Ukraine right now where you would be living in this state of high alert, knowing that any moment your life is about to change if the Russians indeed do invade? On the one hand, you'd be ready, you'd be ready to fight. I watched some news stories this past week and the week before. They're training ordinary Ukrainians to handle weapons, to put up some kind of resistance, even teaching some of them how to make Molotov cocktails, to be able to do something to fight back. So if you live there, you'd be getting ready to fight, but also you'd be getting ready to really be under siege. I would imagine you'd be stockpiling food in your place and water and some other supplies because it's about to happen. An invasion is imminent. Well, in fact, let me remind you to pray for the people of Ukraine in these days. When you hear the news stories, look, a lot of your brothers and sisters in Christ live in Ukraine. There are a lot of Baptists in Ukraine, and so let's pray for them. But here we're taking on a passage here in Luke 12 where we are reminded we're to have the same kind of vigilance. We are expecting an invasion. Now, thankfully, the invasion we're looking forward to is not an evil invasion. We are awaiting the invasion of Jesus Christ, a glorious invasion of righteousness. When he comes and retakes his throne on his earth, he will vanquish all evil. And he's coming to set up his throne. And we look forward to that. When Jesus comes, it is going to be glorious. Now, do you know this truth that Jesus is coming again? Just as real as his first coming was when he came so humbly, a baby, and then lived a perfectly righteous life to give himself in payment for our sins on a cross and to be raised from that just as real as that happened, we're told over and over again in the New Testament, Jesus is coming again. But when he comes next time, he's coming with great power and great authority. When Jesus comes, it will be a glorious, dramatic invasion. With unmatched power, glory, and righteousness, he'll topple all evil when he comes. He will set all things right, and he will fully establish his kingdom on the earth. This, this number stunned me this week as I was studying, and one writer said that there are 318 references to the second coming in the New Testament. I mean, I knew it's spoken of a lot, but I'd never seen it quantified. 318 references to the second coming in the New Testament. There are only 260 chapters in the New Testament, but 318 references to the same coming. I think it's very clear that God wants us to be aware of that, that we should be living with an anticipation of Christ's return. We should be living constantly in a state of faithful readiness. And that is the point of this parable that Jesus tells here. Luke 12, now verse 35. Stay Dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at the table and he will come and serve them. 
If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. Now look at verse 39. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left the house to be broken into. You also must be ready for the son of man is coming in an hour that you do not expect. There are at least three obvious points from this parable that our Lord teaches us. And the first one is this, live in readiness for Jesus's imminent return. Live in readiness for Jesus's imminent return. When we use the word imminent, what we mean is at any moment. We don't know when, but at any moment, Jesus could return to his earth. So regardless of your eschatology, no matter how you have studied it and you think through, I think this is the sequence of events for Jesus coming. I've studied it extensively as well. But regardless of how we've parsed it out, do you still have that humility to know, you know, I may not have that figured out exactly right. I think these things might be needing to happen still or whatever, but so you might be there, but nevertheless with humility, you know, it could be today. We should live with an understanding of the imminent return of Christ. Jesus said, you must be ready. In fact, I don't just uh, look forward to it. I pray about it. Do you? When I see sad, heartbreaking news stories or know some heartbreak in a loved one's life, I'm praying this prayer regularly. Come, Lord Jesus. That's a biblical prayer, by the way. And when I'm praying, come, Lord Jesus, I'm saying, Lord, make it today. Today. Come, come today. Make all things right at last. We know when Jesus comes, turn the world right side up at last. Don't you look forward to that? Jesus said, you must be ready for the son of man is coming in an hour that you do not expect. This is something to long for. Jesus said, this is something you should be ready for. So are you ready for Jesus to return? Verse 40, you must be ready, he says. Verse 35, stay dressed for action. Keep your lamps burning. Now remember, Jesus is teaching this after the other things he had taught here in Luke chapter 12. Remember, we had the parable uh, of, of recently about the rich fool. The idea that it is foolish to live your life for temporary things. After talking about not being greedy, Jesus then talks about not being worriers about money and things. And then he comes here and says, hey, be ready for my return to you. But isn't it true that many people are not ready, they're not watchful for the return of Christ because they're only focused on the here and now. They're focused on accumulating more and more temporary things that we talked about last time that we can't take with us. People are focused on those things. Some people are focused so much, they say, well, it's not money that I'm into, but it's just entertainment. I'm just thinking about the next thing to kind of numb my mind, to keep my mind on something, anything, but what I ought to be thinking about. So it could be entertainment. It could be lesser relationships that you're chasing. It could be hobbies that you're into or your own quest for popularity but Jesus makes a straightforward command to his people, stay dressed for action. Keep your lamps burning. The Greek here in the text is literally gird up your loins, where he says stay dressed for action. And that's a very literal type of phrase. Back in those days, the men even would wear long flowing clothes. And so if they were going to do some work, if they were going to exert themselves, they would have to gather up the long flowing clothes from around their knees and ankles, and they would tie them up and put them under a belt around their waist. Now their legs are free. Their feet are free. They can run. They can work hard. And so this is also just addressed to all of us as we think about how should I have my mind as I await the return of Christ, I need to be dressed for action. And that's what this parable is all about. Did you notice it? As Jesus paints the picture in our minds here, he talks about a master, a homeowner with servants. 
He goes to a wedding feast. In those days, a wedding would be a multi-day event. And certainly, as Jesus describes it here, this is going to be many, many hours, and the servants aren't going to know when he's coming back. He said, I just want you to be dressed and ready when I get back. Be, be in a state of action. I want the lights on so that when I get back from this hours and hours long wedding feast, I don't want to stand outside my door knocking and have to get you up. Stay ready. I'm coming. Again, verse 35, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and he knocks. So we're just talking about thinking about being ready for the imminent return of Christ. And that means on the one hand, live in anticipation of his return. Do you have the understanding that you do not have unlimited time on the earth? You might be a teenager here or another young person. You think, I, I think I got a lot of time. You know, if I run the actuarial tables, what the insurance companies tell me, how long they think I'm going to live and what my life expectancy is, I probably got a, a lot of years. So I might get serious about being a disciple of Jesus maybe next year. You know, I probably will. Probably next year, after I do some stuff I want to do, I might start following Jesus next year. Do you know you are not promised next year? You're not promised the next minute. You, you could die this very day, this week. But somebody might say, I still, I'm going to run the odds. People my age, they just don't die that very frequently. Probably not going to happen. But here's this other reality. Jesus could return today. This could be the week of his return. You don't have unlimited time. Psalm 90, verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. So Jesus is coming and we don't know when he's coming. Now, his delay has been long enough to where we could get kind of lax. I don't know that, I don't know that he's really going to come. But Jesus says, you must be ready for the Son of Man is coming in an hour that you do not expect. So the point of the parable is your readiness. But what does this readiness look like? So on the one hand, in anticipation, Lord, I want you to come. I'm longing for you to come. But also the text is very clear here. This looks like service. This looks like service. So serve with faithfulness until he returns. So notice the parable here. It's all about a master and servants. And you and I, as we apply this to ourselves, we are those servants. Understand you are a beloved son or daughter of God. If your faith is in Jesus, sins forgiven, reconciled to God, adopted into his family, gift of eternal life, that's you. You are a son or daughter of God through Christ, but you're also a servant. Don't negate that. Don't throw that out. You are a servant and he is your master and he calls for complete faithfulness from all of us. So let me ask you, does this describe you? Are you watching for his return? And are you serving him faithfully while you wait? Jesus was very clear when he was crucified and then raised from the dead, spent time with his disciples. And just before he ascended into heaven, he told them what they must be doing until he comes again. So the master told the servants, he told us, here's what you to do until I come again. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Here it is. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Or Acts 1.8, same scene. Jesus is about to ascend to heaven, says, but you will receive power 
when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. That's the mission. Jesus said, do that until I come again. Question, are you on that mission? Is that what you've been occupying your mind with this week? You know what? That's what my Savior told me. My master said he's coming back. That's what he says I should be doing till he comes again. Has that been what has been in the forefront of your mind? Are you living your life in a way to contribute to that mission of the church until Jesus comes again? Here's another question. Are you serving like a servant? Are you serving like a servant? You know, it's possible to have the mindset this way. You know, I would serve, but I'd like to serve according to my preferences. I would like to serve according to what's convenient for me. And in reality, I'd like to serve in some ways where there's some prestige in it for me. So somebody might be having the mindset, yeah, give me a role that's got a little prominence to it that fits nicely and easily into my schedule. That would not be a servant's heart. Did you notice here when Jesus tells this parable, master tells the servants, look, I'm coming back. It could be the second watch of the night. It could be the third watch of the night. Like in other words, the wee hours of the morning, it's not convenient, but you be ready. Keep the lamps lit, oil there, trim the wicks, be ready. Keep yourself dressed because I'm coming in. And when I come, you are to be ready. Listen, that's how you and I are to be. It's not always convenient. A true servant sees needs and steps toward the needs. So let me ask you, have you been waiting for an ideal role to pop up in the church where you would begin serving? Maybe you have the strategy. You know, there's some ways in which I'd like to serve. I'm just going to park it here on the sidelines. And then eventually I'm going to see a role that I'd like to step into. Can I tell you that strategy typically doesn't work? Because there might be a role that you're kind of eyeing that you'd like to do. And there might be a dozen other people who also would like to serve in that way. And it just may never fall to you because you get to serve in that particular way. It's nothing against you. It's just that that thing, that one's always stays full. The other problem with that strategy of sitting on the sidelines waiting for an opportunity to serve is when we're looking for people to serve in roles in the church, we typically look among the people who are serving. Because we can't tell a person who's never serving. We never think, hey, they'll probably serve now. So it's among the people who are serving that we go, I, I, bet, I bet they might be willing to do this different thing that's now available. So I just want to encourage you to, to serve the Lord. Look for real needs in the church. You don't even have to wait for an invitation. Use that connection card. You see a need. We might not even have it on our radar. But you say, man, I think, I think this would advance the kingdom. And, and listen, don't suggest ways other people can serve. We need to get somebody on that. If you see a need, you got to be willing to volunteer. Like, like I see a need, I'm willing to take point on that. I'm willing to do that. And if it fits with our mission, you know, maybe we can do it. So let me, let me say this. We're talking about serving until he comes again. Our master requires it of us. You think, what, what can I do? Here's one thing you can do. On your way out today, grab five wristbands from the bins out there to my right as you go out there. Grab five of those and be on mission for Christ this week. Just tell him, Lord, I'm willing to serve. I understand we're we'll going to be sharing the gospel, making disciples till you come again, right here and at the ends of the earth. But right here, God, I'm going to be looking every day to point somebody to you. I want to pray with somebody. I want to invite somebody to study the Bible with me. I'm going to invite somebody to come to church with me next week. I mean, that's what we're to be about while we're waiting. Everybody can do that. You say, I, that, that, that could be your role of serving. How about some other examples of ways you can serve in the church? Have you, have you seen that screen week after week after week there in our announcement loop saying greeters needed? Greeters needed. Can I tell you, if I weren't pastor here, I'd want to be a greeter here. I mean, you can say, I can't help but greet anyway. I, I want, it's exciting when people are coming here. Do you know how daunting it is 
to visit a church for the first time, maybe even second, third, fifth time, it's daunting. It's a major spiritual victory when somebody makes their first visit here. Can you think about that? All that God did to make them aware of us, to have the desire to get up and to come here, that's a big deal. And then to have somebody at that door or somebody in the foyer, somebody in the hallway, warmly, intentionally welcoming them. Is there a more important role in the church than that? And so step into that. We have a number of people doing it really well, but you could join that effort. Sometimes we need people to join the AV team, people with a particular set of skills and interests that could be trained up for that. Children's ministry, you hear about, we need an army of people who love kids, love parents, who are willing to help disciple the next generation. That is key. And of course, we don't just throw anybody in there. We do background checks and screen people, six month waiting and all that for people to serve with them. But, but what a way to serve in the music ministry as well. How about even the kitchen committee? We already heard about this delicious dinner coming up on uh, Wednesday, already salivating for that. But it takes an, an army of volunteers there. This was fun. We have a couple that hasn't even finished the membership process yet. And I saw them at the last dinner serving in the kitchen committee. Like they're, they're already jumping in and serving that way. The guy was serving at the men's breakfast yesterday. How, how wonderful is that? A servant heart. But you don't have to have a title for it. In your life group, I hope you're in a life group. I encourage you to be in a life group. In there, I love to hear about how the body of Christ ministering to one another there, where you're encouraging each other. Each other. You're serving others. If you just love Jesus and you're in your life group and you're letting that light shine, you're inspiring other people. When there are needs in your life group, somebody needs a meal made, somebody needs to be encouraged, prayed for, you are serving the body when you do that. So it's so, so important here. Other ways that are coming up, you know, we had to suspend some ministries during the pandemic, things like the homeless ministry and even our English clubs and those things like the English club coming back soon and you can serve in that way. We are still looking in and exploring how we might help with the Afghan refugees uh, coming into our area. So there'll be ways to serve there too. But let me give you one more practical way that you could serve. And this is a good one. You could serve in our prayer ministry. And we do this on Wednesday nights. Not everybody can be here, but if you could be here, what a wonderful way to serve by praying for others. By the way, when you come to our Wednesday night prayer group, it's a lifeline to our SMRBC missionaries. So when I talk to our missionaries, they understand that we all love them and we're praying for them, but they know the Wednesday night group's praying for them. And that's the group that knows exactly where they are because we can't say publicly where most of our missionaries serve. And that Wednesday night group will pray. So we'll have, we'll have the people serving overseas say, hey, tell the Wednesday night group, thank you. Tell them to pray for this. And uh, what a great way to support and love those sent out from the church. It's service. Or when you pray in our Wednesday night group for God to move powerfully on these Sunday morning gatherings. When you're praying for the sick and grieving in the church. When you're praying for the police officers who serve from our church. And that you're doing dangerous work. Don't we want them to come home every day safely to their families? We pray for that on Wednesday nights. We want them to have a boring day at work. <laughs> when they serve as police officers. We pray for unreached people groups together. We pray for the church plants that we support on Wednesday nights. And we pray for spiritual revival. A lot of people complain about politics. A lot of people complain about what's happening in government in the world. But Wednesday night's a time where we, we're not gonna complain about it. We do that all week. <laughs> but we're praying all week too, that let's do something about it. Let's take these needs before an almighty God. Let's pray for revival in our land. It's a great place to start your service. Jesus said this in John 15, five. He talks about be with me first and then serve. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So, so start serving. So we're just talking about living in readiness for Jesus's imminent return with a life of anticipation and a life of service. Now the second point, and I promise you these next two will go a lot faster. Don't worry. 
Second point, Jesus will reward your faithful service. Jesus will reward your faithful service. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? Jesus doesn't directly answer that, but he continues talking. Look at verse 42. And the Lord said, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. Do you hear Jesus talking? I want to reward my faithful servants. I love verse 37. This is so profound. Look at verse 37 again. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at the table and he will come and serve them. Can I tell you that never happens? In the ancient world, that would never happen where a master would come home and then reverse roles with the servants. But this is what Jesus said. This is your father. This is your master. He says, serve me, serve me faithfully. And when I come, oh, I am going to load you up with blessings. I love it here because here, as Jesus tells the parable, the master comes, he girds up his loins. He comes back from the party and it's not like, good, now everybody go to bed. The master comes, girds up his loins, tucks in the belt there, and he's ready to serve. Tells his servants, you sit down at the table. Now we're going to have a feast and I'm going to serve you. This is our good God. We serve him, but he delights to bless us. And he says, that's what's coming when he comes again. So please understand, our service to him is noticed by him. Our service to him is going to be evaluated by him. And God is going to bless us in response to our faithfulness to him. Now, some of that reward that Jesus talks about here, some of that happens while you're serving. Isn't there just a joy and a peace when you know you're right in the center of God's will? You're doing what he designed you to do. All right, this is it. And that, that nearness of God, that's enough. That's amazing. But we're told that much of the reward is to come later. In fact, it's the real reward. On top of that free gift of salvation, God is delighted to bless you in ways that we don't fully understand. He's going to reward you in ways, and we know it's going to be amazing for our faithful service to him. So expect God to reward you for your faithful service. Now, here's a question people are probably thinking right now. Somebody might be thinking this, but, but why would I serve? If I'm saved by grace through faith, not by my works, and I'm going to go to heaven without any works, why, why would I want to serve at all? Because you watch people serving, and it's harder to serve than to sit. So you think it's easier just to attend church. Why would I ever want to start serving? Now, we live in a time where a lot of our people, let me talk to the people at home. A lot of our people at home need to stay home due to health and other things. Some people have become, you know, unable to come through the time of the pandemic. We, we respect that. But what if a person could come back and they've just determined not only is it easier to just attend than serve, but if you don't even come and you can worship in your pajamas, what a sweet deal is that to just not, not even come and not even serve? So let me ask you a question. Why serve. Here's why. Because your master has called you to serve. That's why you are on the earth. You are his servant. You're either a faithful or unfaithful servant. Why serve? Because you will be rewarded for faithful service when Jesus comes. That's a motivator. Why serve? Because you'll miss out on blessings and God's reward for being unfaithful. Which takes us to the final point here, the loss for unfaithfulness. There will be loss for the believer who is unfaithful. That's what Jesus says. Look at verse 45. 
But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And that servant who knew his master's will, but did not get ready or act according to his will, will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. These are strong terms. Jesus is speaking in a parable, but he's letting us know there's great loss for those that he finds unfaithful when he comes so unexpectedly. I think, obviously, some of this he's talking about unbelievers, right? Those strong words of verse 46, people being cut into pieces in his language there. But unbelievers, certainly unbelievers, when Jesus comes, they are going to perish in their sins. And what a, what a terrible loss will be there. So their unfaithfulness is evidence of them having no faith at all. In fact, unfaithfulness is the mark of an unbeliever. Also, did you notice here Jesus talks about a, a, a slave or a servant who's beating up on other servants? Well, that'd be a mark of an unbeliever, and that will be dealt with. So no mistake, judgment's coming on all unbelievers. Revelation 20, verse 15. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. But what about unfaithful Christians? Is there a word for them? Absolutely here. An unfaithful lax Christian will be saved if their faith is in Christ. An unfaithful lax Christian will be saved, but with little to no reward. So you do know that your works, though you're not saved by them, your works will be evaluated by Jesus with an eye to reward you. He wants to reward you for faithful service. That's why this is here. But the, the contrary is also possible. Hear the word of God. These are references to Christians. So Romans 14, 12. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. 2 Corinthians 5, 10. Also spoken to Christians. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he's done in the body, whether good or evil. 1 Corinthians 3 verses 12 and following written to Christians. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it. Because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. Though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. God wants to reward his faithful children. Yes, saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. But God wants to give you, yes, that free gift of eternal life. But on top of that, for your faithful service that he's calling you into, he wants to reward you, whatever that looks like forever and ever and ever. So I'm asking, are you a faithful Christian? Does your life show it? Are you serving Jesus at home? Are you serving Jesus where you go to school? When people where you go to school go, that guy that guy's serving Jesus here. He's different. He's got a different mission than everybody else. Is that happening? Where you, where you work, out in the world, are you a faithful Christian? How about this? Are you living in anticipation of his coming? Is it true of you that you have stayed dressed for action and you've kept your lamp burning? Are you serving him faithfully while you wait? 
I'm asking the Holy Spirit to apply this to all of us individually. I've been asking God to apply it to my life as well. He's shown me things that also I need to see. But if he shows you that you haven't been serving faithfully, this is a perfect moment to repent. And it might sound like this when you repent. Lord, I am sorry for wasting my life. I, I see clearly you've told me things to do faithfully until you come. And I have been about none of that. The only right response when the Lord shows you that is I repent. I have been wrong. I've wasted my life and I've wasted your time. And I ask you to forgive me. Aren't you glad he is inclined to forgive you? He wants to forgive you, but you have to come humbly and then respond. You repent and respond by waking up, getting dressed for service, light that lamp that you might serve the Lord. One more point here, just to consider to hopefully, hopefully shock us out of any apathy that remains. Understand that God is not understanding of unfaithfulness. Our Lord is not understanding of unfaithfulness. So if you have a view of Jesus, he is so permissive. He doesn't really, I mean, he doesn't mean it. We're all, it's all going to just be the same. He, he doesn't mean it. He, he means it. Did you, did you hear this parable? He's very serious about wanting to load you up with blessing and reward, but also a sense of loss for those who won't be faithful. He concludes here, verse 48, everyone to whom much was given of him, much will be required. And from him to whom they have entrusted much, they will demand the more. Easier to understand that if we say, to whom much is given, much is required. Do you know that truth? To whom much is given, much is required. Do you know he's given you much? Just right now in this 11 o'clock service and those of you watching from home, he has given you so much. If you know Jesus as your savior, you have everything there. We're told in him, we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He has loaded you up. But you're right here in this worship service in a healthy church by God's grace. And this is another thing he's given to us. We are just set up to serve him faithfully. We have salvation. We have the Holy Spirit himself living inside of us. We have the Bible. We have the very word of God. Again, a healthy church, partners all around us. We have opportunities for growth. And then think about this, just one other example. We have even the Bible electronically. We even have Bible apps. Do you know you live in a time where you can have the Bible read to you? So can you imagine? We have no excuse if we say, I just so busy, I'm just so... I have so much going on. I can't, I can't carve out time to hear the word of God. God will be like, you, you have Bible apps. You can sit in bed, wake up in the morning to have the Bible read to you. What generation had that but us? And as you drive in your car, you can have the word of God going to your mind. To whom much is given, much is required. God expects us to be faithful and he's calling us to that. So let me ask you as we close, are you ready for Jesus to return? This is the point of the parable. Are you ready? The number one way to be ready is to make sure you have turned from your sins and you have run to Jesus, asking him to forgive you for your sins and to save you. Jesus alone can save you. He's the one who died for your sins on the cross. He was raised from the dead. And your move is to acknowledge your sinfulness and ask Jesus to forgive you and take over your life. That, makes, that means he's savior and Lord of your life. That's the way you get ready. And then Christian, serve him. Serve him faithfully until he comes again. Let's pray.